Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, good morning, Paul. It's good to finally be back in the studio with you this morning, recording the Stand Strong podcast once again. It's been a few weeks. I hope you had the good holidays and good time with your family. I did. I did. Happy New Year to you, Noah, and everyone who's listening today. Uh, excited about this new year. Excited about, you know, continuing in this podcast in this season on 21st Century Discipleship. Yeah, 21st Century Discipleship is where we left off. Season four, we're in the middle of that right now, and we decided to take a break over the month of December, but we're back in 2024. And today we are going to be covering a subject that actually some people have have asked us to share some perspective on and share some, some of our our insights and our thoughts on it. And so we're going to be talking about disciples and dancing. I, I think it's good to recognize up front that when this kind of a conversation happens, a lot of times there's questions that we are asked or questions that we ask that don't necessarily get to the heart of the issue very well. Because we'll, we'll ask things like, is it okay for a Christian to dance? Or is dancing sinful? And it feels like those questions get to the heart of the matter, but I think a lot of times it's actually kind of sidestepping the actual issue. It's asking a, a surface-level question that sounds like it's really getting meaty, and it's not. Um, and so hopefully today in our discussion, we'll be able to kind of unfold that and unpack that to show that there's probably better questions to be asking than, is it sinful to dance? Right. And again, this just the subject of dancing. I mean, there's a couple of things about this that's difficult. Number one, everybody can do a Google search. And a lot of times it's a 30-second Google search. And we decide, this is, does this line up with decisions I've already made because it's something I want to do? Right. And then the other thing is this is a Bible subject. I mean, just type in some software that you have on dance or dancing, and you'll find out that that's, that's a topic that's mentioned quite often in yeah. the Old and New Testament. Yep. And not always in a bad light. Right. In fact, oftentimes dancing was was put in a favorable light. And people read that and say, well, here, hey, they did it here. They did it then. I can too. It's kind of like the drinking thing. Yeah. When you say, you know, well, Jesus drank wine. I can drink wine. Wine today is like the wine that I read about. And, and, and that can get the train off the tracks pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. We can... When when we approach it simply from the perspective of uh, everything is constant and equal across the board in every situation, then we're probably not treating the text fairly. Um, and and it, we're also therefore not treating it fairly if we try to deny the fact that Scripture does positively portray dancing in, in multiple scenarios. And so... Um, we just want to handle it fairly. We want to handle it from Scripture, and we want to we want to use the wisdom that God has given us through His Word to be disciples here in the 21st century. Um, so that being said, it, it probably is good to actually say, well, okay, what is dancing? Because <laughs> dancing covers a pretty wide gamut of things, and 
it's important in this kind of a discussion, we have to come to terms. And I mean that literally, like we have to, we have to come to a common understanding of terms. And so I mean, if we're just using the term dancing as, as referring to rhythmic movement, then pretty quickly we have to go, okay, well, surely not all rhythmic movement is, is wrong. So why is there a stigma around dancing? And is it a legitimate stigma? That's kind of the question that we, we, we need to get to because not all rhythmic movement is bad. So why is this, why is this term dancing and the things associated with it have a negative stigma uh, for Christians today? Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly, so just looking in the Bible, I mean, and think about the Herodias daughter yeah. that danced before Herod. Uh, thinking about, think about the, the dancing and what was connected to the dancing when Moses came down from the mountain. Those are those. So I'm giving those two examples because one Old Testament, one New Testament. The clearly the one in the New Testament, Herodias' daughter dancing before Herod. It was a very sensual kind of dance. So mm. what was connected to the whatever those movements of her body were was inciting lust. What was creating a situation that was clearly uh, sinful. And one person and many others, and, and bad things happened. Somebody died because of it. Right. So that's what we mean when we look at the subject of dancing. What is it? So I've, I've made this statement before, Noah. The Bible teaches that dancing may cause you to sin, but not all dancing is sinful. Yeah. And, and kind of that's a good starting place. So when you say, okay, can I dance? Or can I go to where others are dancing? Yeah. Those are big questions. Let's break it down. Explain to me, what are you talking about? What are you really wanting to do? What's associated with? What's the environment like? What's going on there? Right, right. And even those two questions that you gave are two very different questions. Can I dance versus can I go somewhere where, where people are dancing? Those are those are two different contexts that we have to address independently. And I think sometimes people hear that and they say, okay, you're hedging, you're, you're, you're trying to be way too nuanced, just kind of be really plain and simple with it. Well, so here'd be my answer. Here's the plain and simple. There are plenty of other things we could point to that are appropriate in some contexts and inappropriate in another. That's plain and simple. We can see that easy with a whole number of things in our lives. So it's perfectly reasonable to say that that's true in this case as well. I'm, and I'm, I'm a little tongue in cheek here, but you know, we could turn to Song of Solomon or we could turn to Proverbs 519 that talks about, you know, where, where the, uh, the writer in both of those situations is, is admiring his spouse's body mm-hmm. very in, in very um, descriptive terms. And that is undoubtedly a positive thing. In both of those circumstances, in Proverbs 5 and in Song of Solomon chapter 4, that is a positive thing. Um, you know, that is God designed. That's the way it's supposed to be. But then you take that into a different context. You, For instance, you brought up the idea of Herodias's daughter. That's not a good thing. Admiring in that way another person's body is not okay. It's inappropriate in that context. So... We have to be willing to deal with that nuance and understand that in the context of dancing, it's the, it's going to be very similarly nuanced. Yeah, I, I've started with this, Noah. I, you and I would agree, and, and I think everybody who's listening to this podcast, who's going to be on different uh, sides of this issue, to be quite honest? Yeah. Um, the starting place is always Scripture. 
That is not me saying we always see Scripture the same way. Right. But that's me saying we start with an attitude that says, okay, it's not what Paul thinks, it's not what Noah thinks, it's not what anybody else thinks. Let's start with the Holy Spirit. What, what does God say on this? Let, let's find Scripture. Just start with Scripture. Don't Google it. <laughs> you know, don't go back and find your favorite preacher and see where he comes down on it. It's not even based upon, you know, how I was how I was raised may be the way I raised my kids. It may be right. It may be wrong. Yeah. It is what it is. But so I say start with Scripture. Here's a passage that I think helps us in principle with just about any topic we're going to deal with on 21st century discipleship. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 22. I love these two verses. We're starting with Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Test all things, not some things, mm -hmm. all things test. Okay. Then he says, hold fast to what is good, not what is bad, not what is questionable, mm -hmm. not what I like. God defines what's good for us. And then he says, abstain from every form of evil. The idea of abstaining from every form of evil is evil takes a lot of different forms. So we're not having anything to do with it. We're not trying to see how close we can get to it. But we're running away from it. We're fleeing it. We're abstaining from it. Why? Because it is clearly evil. Yeah. It's not good. But he starts with the testing of all things. Now, having said that, that doesn't fix the issue. Right. And I'll tell you why. One of the reasons we all have biases. I have them. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the room has them. And, and because of that, if we're not careful, if I'm not careful in my testing of any subject, dancing, drinking, gambling, whatever it is, in my testing of that subject, I'm going to bring in my biases. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just need to be aware of that. Start with Scripture. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that is a great place to start. I'm I'm really obviously scripture is, but especially that scripture that that you brought up, the the idea of being willing because oftentimes our biases will keep us from from testing things in the first place. Either our biases will lead to us just accepting something that we shouldn't accept or rejecting something without actually seeing if scripture gives us a reason to reject it, right? Either way, we're not testing the thing in the light of scripture. Um, and, and in the context of dancing specifically, it's not just dancing. Like you said, this is a good general passage to start from. Uh, you look at, you look at the, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. That's a good passage to go to. If you want to test something like dancing, for instance, is, and again, we're using the term dancing very generally. So, you you know if someone said well where does where do you find dancing in fruit of the spirit or in the works of the flesh well that depends again if if you're talking about dancing with your wife then uh chances are you might be able to find that in the fruit of the spirit <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somebody might not like the way clearly, that I phrased clearly, that. You, clearly, we can see where Noah's wanting to go with this. <laughs> if you are married, enjoy the wife of your youth. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I shouldn't this. have to hedge, you know, hedge around that. Um, I guess then flip that around for a moment and say, can you find situations? Is it is it even difficult to find situations where the works of the flesh, like impurity and sensuality, are found in dancing in different contexts? And the answer should be an obvious yes. There are, you can get on YouTube and you can search, you know, the top 10 music videos of the last year. And you're going to, you're going to, what you're going to find is a, a lot of impurity and sensuality, right? 
So we're dealing with extremes that I'm pointing to two different extremes to show that even when you're testing it in the context of Galatians 5, the idea of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit, depending on what you're testing, you're going to come up with very different answers. Yeah, very true. You know, you've mentioned a couple of terms and you, you dealt, dealt with the Galatians 5 works of the flesh. There's, there's two terms there in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, that we find in other passages. I, I want to take us to a Romans 13. Now, again, Galatians chapter 5, Romans 13, and neither of these two passages that clearly deal with works of the flesh or things that are clearly filled with darkness, have, have they're considered evil, have nothing to do with it. That, when we test that, clearly scriptures are saying right. abstain from it. Right. You're not going to find dancing in Romans 13. You're not going to find dancing in Galatians 5. Right. Or you might. <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for. What's what's connected to or associated with the dancing? Much more than the body being moved. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Romans 13. Uh, this is the New King James Version. Romans 13, beginning in verse 12. The night is far spent; the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Okay, we're casting it off. Why? They're works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. I love one translation that says behave decently. So the core of the issue is 21st century discipleships. As disciples, we just want to behave decently. Yeah. So I can't behave decently if I'm a part of something that's considered evil or works of darkness. So he says, walk properly, verse 13, behave decently as in the day. Now here's the point, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Yeah. Make no provision. Don't see how close to this you can get without actually being guilty of it. Make no provision. And the being clothed with Christ has to do with my disposition, attitude, approach to anything. Yeah. You know, but in, in this context, there are two terms. We've talked about drunkenness. We've talked about strife and envy and other things. I'm connecting these two terms because these are the ones that, that I offer for parents, uh, teenagers, all of us to think about when the subject of dancing, that big question comes up. Here are two terms in Romans 13 that we also see in Galatians chapter 5. Clearly works in the flesh have nothing to do with it. Depending on the translation, I read the New King James, you've got revelry and lewdness. Mm -hmm. Revelry is an interesting term. Other translations have orgies and carousing. Now, again, I am not saying that, okay, think about it. the first grade class <laughs> who's square dancing in first grade. Right. I'm not aware of orgies and carousing going on in that situation. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Nightclubs. Okay, let's be a thumbs down as disciples on the bars and the clubs, the, the night dance, you know, these kinds of things where clearly that's an environment we need to stay away from, yeah. even though we may not be on the floor engaged in this. Yeah. Uh, but the other one, the greater one is lewdness. And that's the one that the Bible addresses. And, you know, we could go to scholars these are the works of men, but they give us ideas about this lewdness. Maybe it's translated sensuality in your in your version. Mm -hmm. I, I grew up indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. I mean, what would we do if we didn't have Thayer? Although, <laughs> but he, he is accurate in the sense of that term. Is a dance, is a prom, is a gymnasium in junior high or high school the only place that can create unchaste handling of males and females? No. Right. Everybody who's dancing or goes to a dance, does that mean all of a sudden if if I'm holding hands with someone else, 
unchanged right. handling? To be fair, no. But what does any parent who's who's been 13, who's been 16 to 18, come on? We know. Yeah. We know. And so that's why we're aware of some things sometimes that preteens and teens are not. Yeah. I can tell you, man, I can't believe I'm admitting this for everybody to hear who wants to hear. When I was 16, sometimes it, it's just what I wanted to do. Yeah. And when someone would say, oh, that's not wise or that's not good judgment, no, I want to do it. Right. So that that's bad on me. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what we're also going to be driving at here with this kind of a discussion is <laughs> sometimes we get so caught up on trying to draw a specific line of here are, here are the exact situations where it is okay or is not okay. When what we need to be as, as parents, what we need to be looking at and what we need to be instilling in our children is they're getting to an age where this is going to be these types of things are going to be more and more injected into their lives is, okay, what, what is the purpose of what we're doing? What are, what are our desires for doing this? And what are we satisfying? What desires are we trying to satisfy by this, right? You brought up the word sensuality. We also, in the New Testament, in like Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about impurity and passions. Mm -hmm. um, and we see the word lust through, you know, throughout the New Testament is something that's condemned. Sensuality, passions, lusts. So here's, here's where we have to just be brutally honest with ourselves. Because I am not going to sit here and try to make some blanket statement about dancing being sinful. Mm -hmm. But what I am going to ask people to do is when they're putting themselves in those situations, anywhere from a nightclub to a prom to whatever situation, it doesn't even have to regard dancing. This is a broader principle than just dancing. When you're putting yourself in that situation with those people, with that significant other, with, you know, this friend from school or work or whatever, what is your intention? What position are you putting yourself in with regards to your passions, your lusts, and sensuality? Uh, the, you know, definitions I have down here, you know, lust is a strong desire. Passion is, is showing or it's caused by strong feelings. Sensual is appealing to and satisfying the senses. It's all inward directed. It's all selfish. Mm -hmm. And it's all looking to feed and even some maybe arguably satiate some desire. And some people would say, well, that's a lot to burden somebody with. When all they wanted to do was, you know, they wanted to go to this social event. As a disciple of Christ, that's we we have the burden of evaluating our own intentions and evaluating the situations that we're putting ourselves in. So I'm not here to draw a line, but I am here to encourage people, to challenge people. You have to be honest with yourself and you have to you have to think about what situation you're putting yourself in and what you're feeding. Yeah. You know, I, I like the fact that you mentioned challenge. Whenever we're dealing with something, any topic where Scripture does, is not explicitly clear, and this is one of them. Yeah. When we're dealing with that topic, we offer challenges. We should humble ourselves and acknowledge that there is room for judgment, and at times our judgment is going to differ with that of others. I raised my kids. I can't do any better than the best that I had. Mm -hmm. Did I make mistakes? Yes. 
But I would always, I tried to always err on the side of caution. And people say, well, you can be too cautious and too strict. And then now your kids, I get all that. Yeah. I do get that. But again, I knew what I knew at 30 that my kids did not know at 13. Yeah. And that affected the judgments that I had to make. And I made that as a parent. Mm -hmm. I got input from my wife. I prayed about it. I did the best I could do. I got counsel from others who had been where I had I had not been. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I had to raise my kids the way I felt was the way that would honor God. And I could stand before God and say, I did the best I could do. Other people in that local church where I preached and I'm a member raised their kids differently. Mm -hmm. So now we move into not just a discussion about a dancing and a right or wrong but now we move into a discussion about attitudes. See, I need to take the right attitude into any discussion on raising my kids. And do I dance? Do I let them dance? All of those things. But what's my attitude towards someone else who disagrees? Right. And sometimes the difficult, challenging questions, and this is one of them, become even more difficult and challenging when we can't even have a discussion with someone because... I, I can become so arrogant and self-righteous that I'm trying to make everybody think like me. Right. And uh, I, I'm kind of getting outside. But I think that's important when we talk about something about dancing. This subject is going to, in my estimation, become increasingly more difficult to talk about. Part of that is the world that we live in. Part of that is is the level I mentioned biases, but I'm also talking about levels of maturity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that... People's judgment changes as they get older. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. And so I, I just want us to think about some of these things. There's a difference between clear right and wrong versus is this wise, this is a good judgment. Right, right. And and the fact that it that our judgments change over time is something that we should be thanking God for, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully that is a sign of maturity and a sign of being, you know, having more understanding of his word and his will and and working more and more to line ourselves up with that. And it's it is never a bad thing to be able to say I once judged things this way for myself and now I I judge things differently, right? That should be a sign of growth. But you said something just a moment ago about how we we have to be able to approach these in humility and we have to we have to be able to handle these discussions um, recognizing that we must make a judgment for ourselves, but not um, not allowing that to shut down the conversation, that the discussion that we might have with others. And I think it'd be really good to pray about that real quickly while we're on that subject. So let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we recognize that as your children, we are called to do your will and we're called to submit our, our wills to yours and our life to your direction. And we recognize that sometimes that can cause stress and, and issues between people. And we pray that you can give us a, a heart of humility and a spirit that seeks to do your will and seeks to uh, find unity in your word. We pray that we can be an encouragement to one another, a challenge to one another, um, but ultimately that we can work together to glorify you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we could keep talking about uh, this for a while, but I think as we've already witnessed, it really ends up getting into a broader discussion of 
trying to make sure that our hearts are lining up with God's. Not, it's not always going to be a clear cut. Everyone draws the same line, but we all need to be drawing our hearts nearer to God. And so that's probably a good place for us to end uh, our discussion on dancing. But since we're back, we are going to be releasing a new episode every week. And Paul, where are we going next week? Gambling. Oh, All right. My. Yeah. Dancing from dancing to gambling. Can a Christian gamble? That's kind of like the question, can a Christian dance? Right. What What do you mean by gambling? Define that. What What is usually associated with these kinds of risks? Uh, are there stewardship issues? There's a lot of things that's connected to this. It's just kind of like the onion again. You're peeling it back a later at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, but But these are real questions. I mean, I grew up hearing sermons on them. You probably did. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe your dad preached on them like not my dad preached on them. The questions change a bit. The discussion kind of morphs somewhat over time. Right. Some of that's the result of the world. Some of that's the result of, quite honestly, so I'm saying this as a preacher, uh, preachers trying to make the text say something that it was never intended to say. Sure. Uh, just because I may not do it doesn't mean someone else is not allowed to do it. Right. But there's some serious things that we want people to think about that have to do with the discussion on gambling. So wanted us to go that, that direction. Yeah, forward. absolutely. And and how that plays into our walk as disciples. We want to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We're just trying to follow him as 21st century disciples of Christ. And we're looking forward to that discussion next week. And we pray that until then, you will stand strong. Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong. 